entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place. Shows for the whole family. Waterbury Palace. Good. Friday morning, everybody. We're back with Your Palace, Your Place. I'm Sherry Marcucci, your host. And this show is presented to you by the Palace Theater in what I like to call wonderful Waterbury, Connecticut. And we have a great show um, for you this morning. Just chuck full. And as I was thinking about the show this morning, I realized that there is a thread running through it. uh, and, And I'll explain more as I introduce the guests. But um, at, at the um, crux of it, I guess, is the fact that Les Miserables is coming to the Palace Theater December 3rd through the 8th. And so today's show has uh, two, two segments actually devoted to Les Miserables. Uh, one, we're going to be talking about our after-school program that uh, features and is um, uh, written around Les Miserables. And then our last segment is with one of the actors from the show. So uh, that's going to be exciting. And in between, we have an actor who's doing some amazing things in an upcoming production at the Warner Theater. And he's connected to... One of my colleagues at the palace, literally connected, it's her husband, and mm-hmm. and, um, and she wrote the curriculum and the study uh, pieces for the after-school program. So it, it's weird how things just happen serendipitously. And um, so that's coming. But I do want to, before we get into introducing our first guest, I do want to say a Big or give a big round of applause to uh, the Arts and Culture Collaborative Waterbury Region's event last night at Vine, the Flying Ivories. It was phenomenal. And if you heard us talking about it, I had Diane Plock on, who, as you know, is the Queen of Arts and uh, the administrator for the ACC, uh, Arts and Culture Collaborative here in on the Waterbury region. Uh, Diane uh, and her uh, assistant, Bonnie Sharon, uh, did just such a fabulous job. I, mean, I served on the committee that was part of putting this together, but really those two deserve the kudos. We had almost 180 people uh, at Vine. Uh, People were having a blast. Great, great food, great, um, just a vibe in the room. People were up and singing and dancing. If you don't know what Flying Ivories or the uh, piano, dueling pianos is, it's when you have actually two piano players singing and playing, and they're getting the audience to chime in, and people are, you know, giving money to say, I want this song played, and no, I want this song played, and I'm going to give more money, and it's just, people were dancing, great, great time, and I think we've got the makings of an annual event. Uh, so if you've heard a little bit about it and, you know, thinking, gee, did I miss something great? Yeah, you did. But I think there's going to be an opportunity again next year. So anyway, just wanted to uh, say congratulations to the ACC. And now I'd like to introduce our first guest and someone that I know well. And um, we are connected in many ways, we're finding out. And we were talking offline uh, um, before the show started, how how small the world of theater is and in Connecticut, mm-hmm. and we have so many opportunities. And my guest right now that I'd like to introduce is Mariana Vagnini Dadamo. Did I do that Dadamo. well? Dadamo. 
the damo. Okay, well, gee, what Very kind of an nice. Italian can Very I be? Nice Actually, I'm only married to one, so I'm excused. <laughs> <laughs> but Mariana is here in her um, role as one of the faculty, music faculty members at the Waterbury Arts Magnet School, which is literally connected to the Palace Theater mm-hmm. um, through a, a common uh, hallway, and uh, we adjoin one another. So, Mariana, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, such a pleasure to be here. Well, always. thank you. And I know you took time out of your, your school morning so you could be here mm-hmm. to talk about something that you've been involved with for several years now, and that is the Palace Theater has an after-school program once a year, usually once a year, where we connect one of our Broadway series shows to an opportunity for young people, uh, high school and middle school age mm-hmm. students to come together for an after school program that encompasses so many elements. Um, Mariana, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what those pieces are? And the program this year is, of course, connected to Les Miserables. Um, so, but you bring in so many pieces for this, and it's an enrichment program. Mm-hmm. It's free, by the way. You have mm-hmm. 25 students this year. Right, thanks to... Uh the American Savings Foundation, our funder, which, yeah. of course, um, and they have been with us since um, I last 13 years that they've been funding this program. And each year it's just gotten bigger and better. Um, we've gotten kudos for it from the Broadway League. Uh, and, you know, it, it word travels. Kids want to be in this program. So tell do. us, tell they the do. listeners a little bit about it. Well, um, I can back up and say that this is my second year doing this program. Last year we took the show Legally Blonde and we took strands of that. We had female lawyers come in. We talked about... Uh, individuals in history that have broken glass ceilings, uh, hidden figures, uh, the movie, we dissected that and talked about the lives of the three mathematicians, female black mathematicians, etc. And it was very successful. And I think on the heels of that, I went into this feeling very confident about creating with Peggy Terhune, who is amazing, yes. um, sitting down and brainstorming and pulling all the strands out of Les Miserables, strands of um, the elements of French language, uh, literature, redemption, forgiveness, social activism, history, architecture, costume design, <laughs> talking about the rebellion in the 1832. Um, we, uh, it, it's, it's so easy to hold there's, so there's much a lot to work with enrichment with a, oh, out for yeah. these students and to give them a fuller idea of how theater works in society, how theater has had this uh, indelible place in society to reflect the culture, the norms, um, what's been going on. You know, Mozart, one of the reasons why he became the prolific and, um, well, he was prolific anyway, but why he was the popular composer, the composer for the people mm-hmm. as opposed to the aristocracy was because he was writing about the their lives. Well, same thing with Victor Hugo, who wrote um, the novel Les Miserables. So, um, right. and he again was uh, beloved, actually, by um, the people of France in particular because he reflected what they were going through. Right. Not only with Les Miserables, but some of his other works as well. The name of the after-school program is "Behind the Barricade: Social Responsibility and Justice," mm-hmm. and I love that because. And, and you said this to me earlier. You said you really tell the students to 
be a part of this program, share their ideas, share their creativity. Don't mm-hmm. be afraid to ask the questions because this is an interactive experience. Right. It's a conversation that we don't normally have time for in the course of the day in an academic uh, setting. Um, even because you have different uh, end goals. Oh, yeah, yes. exactly. So the conversation is all about you know uh, various aspects. We've broken it down, various aspects of... Uh, the show as as it applies as as it applies to social responsibility, justice, and then we pull out the strands of the show itself: costume design, set design, the language. Because there's you know there's French words in the English language. I mean in the in the show. Yes. There's French currency that's mentioned. So we're going to go over all of that. So it's twofold. We are teaching them about uh, real life issues using Lamez as a template, but we're also prepping them to actually watch the show when they see the show on December seventh. So they're going to have such a different awareness when they see this about what it took to do that. Yeah, and that's a fabulous experience because as you said earlier, theater is basically um, not basic, but theater reflects, you know, what is happening in in the world. But what's interesting is now Les Miserables took place back in in the 1800s. Right. Uh, What's going on in the world today is there's it's so the parallel is so right. uh, just amazing and i think historically and you can you know correct me if you don't agree but theater is timeless in that the stories however they whatever the you know characters are they're about humanity and the old saying, you know, you, you keep repeating history because you don't mm. learn. And mm-hmm. we kind of do, I think, as, as human beings. We right. keep doing, well, trying that same story out. When you think about the opening prologue, how he, you know, Jean Valjean is released from prison. And what does he do? The first thing he does, somebody good and kind takes him in. And the first thing he does is he steals from him. Mm-hmm. And then when he's caught by the police and brought back, what does the bishop do? He forgives him. Mm-hmm. And mm. says, oh, no, I gave him that silver. So w- there's so much that happens right in there. There are so many yes. lessons of life, yes. that, of, of morality and spirituality that, um, that, that are timeless. That, that, that things that people grapple with all the time. All the time. And it's part of it, and the human condition. Yeah. Um, rightly or wrongly or, you know, we, it's, right. it's, it's part of being human. Like on Tuesday, we, we discovered that the, the opening segment was about what is a hero? Is mm. Jean Valjean a hero or a criminal? You know, and they were like, well, he's right now he's a criminal. You know, right now he's a criminal. We don't yes. see the hero, and then and then you know we're exploring modern day. Is, yes, is Greta Thunberg is she a hero? Yes, people are calling her a hero. Some people are saying she's yeah a little you know left right. of center. Yes, people are you know have all these opinions about her, but she is moving and shaking something. Something yes. is changing. Yes, because yes. she lit, is alive. Right. right. So so um, um, it, it 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 really does bring in. You know, there it, it really is timeless, and it, again, people are um, people, and um, whether you have a big hoop skirt on or whether you have a pencil skirt on or anything in between, we can see these stories being told. What's wonderful about theater is they're told in so many magnificent ways with with um, a musical with such 
right. just fabulous music <laughs> that Les Mis has. That's where theater takes an in a different direction or mm -hmm. even with the scenery and the sets and the costumes mm -hmm. that just embellishes the ideas and the and the themes that are going on in the story right well we were and you bring that into the after school program in so many wonderful ways this year right we just had Renee Purdy who I love I know everybody loves Renee everybody loves Renee she's just who's the, the head phenomenal. of the costume shop at the Warner Theater right so, and yes. she talked about her life and her background how she became a costume designer but we also talked about how the costumes help set a sense of time and place how the costumes in Les Mis show us distinctions in the social classes mm -hmm. and how does a costumer research historic costumes how does a costume designer cre create a historic looking costume which is functional for a modern production yeah Ah, that's a good point because it has to have a certain look, but the actor has to be able to do their work in it and move and be safe and all those other elements yeah. that, you know, the audience doesn't think about that, but somebody right. has thought about that. Right. And when an actor puts on a piece of clothing or a, even a pair of shoes, mm -hmm. um, I remember when I was I was in Cavalerio Stacana at the Schubert Theater, I played Lola and I was kind of, I, I really understood what I was doing. I had the music down. But when I put on these four and a half inch stilettos oh. and had to walk a certain way and all of a sudden the character came to life. Absolutely. And I think that's so true with 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 any with, you know with costuming in general that it finalizes how an actor embodies a role. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to say it. I mean, oh. I was thinking more flip about it like the frosting on the cake, but what you said was much better. <laughs> Right. So, so um, in the weeks to come, right. you also, you, I saw that you have somebody coming in who I happen to know um, doing uh, fight combat, teaching that, because that's an element. That's something you'll see in uh, the production of Les Miserables. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if, in, I'm talking about Les Miserables, the national tour that's coming to the Palace Theater December 3rd through the 8th. Yes. Um, so you have Rich Rijnovsky. Yeah. I hope I pronounced his name correctly. Yeah. Um, doing that. And that's, I think, you know, that's a really neat piece. Yeah, and the kids are going to be able to do some warm-ups, some group exercises. They're going to understand how do you stage a battle on stage and not get hurt and not hurt anybody. Yes. Yeah, There is a true skill to that. Absolutely. And it has to be a, a, a learned skill. It, it's choreographed. And, it, yep. and it's actually, um, and there's no chance um, taken at all. Right, right. And Mariana, we have, we have one minute left oh, of your segment. So okay. it's it flies by. Um, but I do want to, you know, give you an opportunity to kind of wrap up and and um, mention again how many kids are participating and where are they are coming so from. We are so happy. We have like 25 students. About 20 of them come from what Waterbury Arts Magnet School. So oh, I'm okay. happy to say that. Um, and then we have students from Chase Collegiate. We have students from North End Middle School. This Wonderful. program is open to the to the Waterbury area so in the future you know um, it, it's it's a wonderful opportunity for kids to get that deeper enrichment if they love theater and they like to dig deep in it and understand it more this is a great opportunity and for I should uh, again say that it is 
free, and it's free because of the generosity of the American Savings Foundation, who has been giving us a grant uh, for many years now Mm -hmm. to produce this program, and we thank them for that opportunity. And again, as Mariana said, if you're listening and you say, oh, my son, my daughter, my grand son or daughter would love this how do I get involved well Well, first they have to send them to whams (laughs) well maybe (laughs) but it's open to other schools as well if they love truly if they they love love the arts they should be yes and um you know stay tuned because you know this is the opportunity and it's already underway for this year but next year we'll have another program with another show oh yeah so Mariana I know you have to get back to class to teach a piano class now and um thank you again for your time this morning my pleasure. Thank you. Really, and always. for your expertise. These kids are so lucky what you bring to it. And you mentioned Peggy Trahune. I, I do have to say Peggy wrote this whole curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a study guide that the show itself provides, and we're working with that as well. But she put a lot of thought and effort into mm-hmm. and her personal connection. So we thank everybody, and we're going to take a quick break. And then speaking of Peggy Trahune, we're going to have Mr. Trahune in studio. So stay tuned. Entertaining new possibilities. And we're back with Your Palace, Your Place. I'm your host, Sherry Marcucci from the Palace Theater. And I'm so thrilled, actually, to have in studio right now uh, a gentleman who I I have to admit, I have not had the pleasure of seeing you yet perform. But I have known of you for years. Dick Terhune, welcome to your Palisher place. Thank you. It's great to be here. Last time you and I got together, I think I was shoving pizza in my face. <laughs> That's right. Dick was one of our pizza challenge judges, and that was my first opportunity to meet you, actually. Yeah, yeah. And um, But we have so many mutual friends, and I've heard about you for years. Um, I heard, knew your name, read about you, You know, do a lot of work at the Warner Theater in Torrington. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also do another piece of work. So we're going to talk about two things this morning with you right. because you're a, you're an interesting guy you, you have an interesting would you life. tell my wife that please when you see her <laughs> i think your wife knows that um but you uh, when when peggy terhune dick's wife came to work at the palace one of the first things i learned was that her husband was a voice actor which mm-hmm. i've done a little of that so i was interested i just wanted to know more and i kept saying i gotta get him on our show guy so we finally got the opportunity this morning so that is your profession yeah, yeah. You are a voice actor. That's been my full-time gig for the last 20 years, yeah. Wow. I, I just think that's so fascinating. So what when what does that mean? Well, when people... For those who might not know. When people ask me what I do for a living, I usually tell them, I, I tell them I stand in a padded room and talk to myself all day. <laughs> and that is, that is, yeah, that's what I do. Um, but being a voice actor, you're called upon to do commercials, Audiobooks, games, uh, tutorials, explainer videos, documentaries, narrations, really anything that has a human voice. Think of all the things that talk to you every day, Mm -hmm. whether it's a voice on the radio like right now, or a voice coming out of your GPS, or you press an elevator button and it says going up. 
somebody had to say those things, and that's where voice actors come in. That you know, and you don't think about that. So the, now, is are you getting edged out by the likes of a, the Alexa voice or um, Suri's or any of those? Are those real human voices? They began as real human voices. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, but eventually, the speech was synthesized. And okay. Honestly, uh, I think you can tell oh, when you uh, listen to without an Alexa a doubt. or a Siri. You know, it's not human. Yes. It's uh, what's it called? The uncanny divide between human and non-human yes and we can yes. still tell what it is yes but yeah. Uh, yeah there's a there's a great difference and when the human voice is involved and a human story is involved yes that's when it becomes an art yeah well because the soul is missing exactly and that's what humanity Alexa has no soul <laughs> So, so I'm going to put you on the spot, but tell us some of your clients first, some of the things we may have heard you. And of course, I've talked about this before. You are on the Little Caesars commercials. I, I am on the, I'm not the pizza pizza guy. Right. I am. That's what I, everybody says when I say, yeah, I do the Little Caesars commercials. Say, yeah, you're the pizza pizza. No, I am not the pizza pizza guy. <laughs> I don't even know if he's still alive. Oh. He probably recorded that in the seventies and who knows? I just don't know. But uh, if you hear someone talking about the most cheese and the most pepperoni at the nation's best price oh my god i i can hear that voice <laughs> that's my part and um i'm also currently doing commercials for ruby tuesdays jackson hewitt uh i've worked with google verizon pepsi uh, the list goes on and i also do games uh including world of warcraft oh. uh there was another game where i played the title character pinstripe it's a very creepy game Ooh. played with the lights <laughs> off alone you'll You'll thank me for that. I think you're getting some therapy as you're doing these as well. <laughs> it does get a lot of the darkness out. Yeah, and it's a safe space, sure, right? Sure, absolutely. Your padded room. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, right now we're in the second season of Transformers Cyberverse, which is on mm -hmm. Cartoon Network. Oh. And that, you know, 35 years ago when I first saw Transformers on TV, yeah. it was a cartoon. Yes. And I looked at that and I listened to it and I listened to the performances of people like Peter Cullen and Frank Welker, whose names you may not know. But they're Optimus Prime and Megatron, and I watched them and I listened to them, and that was the show where I said, that's what I want to do. And so 35 years later, wow. I'm now part of that show and part of that That legacy. is and amazing. That, that's bucket list stuff. I love that. And wow. you know what's really great? Well, when I go into Target and I see action figures of me... <laughs> I still geek out absolutely every time that happens. It's so fun. That is fun. It is, yeah. So do a voice. Do something. You do one of your. Can you? Can I? Am I putting you two on the spot? No, absolutely. All right. <laughs> by the, and by the way, this is the gig. When you're a voice actor. You go, you go into you go an to audition, a party. or you go into a studio, or you go into a party, and they yeah. say, oh, do something, yes. do something. <laughs> so, quick story, and it, this is from Transformers. Okay. Uh, the first season of Transformers, um, they called me in, and yes, I am going to get to the voice, but there's a setup here. Uh, <laughs> my, my agent called me and said, uh, do you want to come read for, what is this, Transformers? And I, you know, my jaw hit the floor, and, then, oh, yeah. and I said, yeah, I'm on my way right now. Uh, and they had me come in, and they, they had me read for Optimus Prime. And I do a credible prime, but I didn't get the gig. Okay. And I thought, okay, that's good. A little bit later, they called me in. They said, ah, do you want to read for Megatron? And I said, ah, Megatron, at last, the role I was born to play. <laughs> but I didn't get that. 
But they had me read for a couple of other characters, and one of them was Prowl, who, if you know Transformers, is an Autobot. He changes in, into a police car. Okay. Uh, he's a very strict, by-the-book, strategist, tactical weapons expert. He's a tough guy. Okay. In the first season, I had exactly one line as Prowl. <laughs> The setup is Optimus Prime has me slung over my over his shoulder. I've been wounded. He's trying to get me behind a barricade. He's blasting left and right. He's throwing shields up. He's knocking Decepticons off to the side to get me to safety. And he gets me over the barricade and he lays me down and they're trying to get mechanical assistance for me because I am a robot. And I say, Prime, uh, you shouldn't have come back for me. One line. I got three action figures out of that. <laughs> I love it. What Unfortunately, a great story. I, I do more now in the second season, and I play another character called Mac Adam, uh, who's uh, he basically runs Cheers on the planet Cybertron. <laughs> he he serves up a, a special blend of energon to anyone who comes in, Autobot, Decepticon, or neutral. It doesn't matter to me. If you can pay, you can stay. And he's he's a great character to do, and he's getting his own figure now. So, so you got a couple voices, and you got a couple stories too. You you have a cool job, Dick. I fully admit that I have yeah. the best job in the world. Yeah. And and fun, and and uh, as an actor, certainly, and you are a very accomplished actor and singer, director. Um, this is like you know play for you all. All day long, and I don't mean that to dismissively. I mean, no, I know, how great I know exactly is that? what you mean. And you know, don't don't tell my agent or the producers this, but <laughs> I would pay them to get to do this sometimes because it's just it's so fun. It's yeah, so cool. It's my yeah. job. Now you're doing something really. Um, I I I can't wait to to see this, and I will see this. You're doing. A one-man show mm -hmm. at the Warner uh, starting December 7th? Three weeks from tomorrow, yes. Okay. The 7th through the 15th. All right. A Christmas Carol. But it's one man. You're right. playing over 30 characters. Yes. How does one do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, first one spends several months memorizing the text. Oh, Which whoa. one has done now. And The whole... The whole the whole script. The whole script. Yes, it's a, it's an it's an adaptation of the story. So okay. it has been edited down a bit. Okay. Patrick Spadaccino did a great job of adapting the script into into a format that's accessible for one actor okay. and still gets the entirety of the story across. Okay. In Charles Dickens' words. That's that's unbelievable. And I thought you had done this before. You no. haven't done this before. Not as a one man show. No. Wow. But, so yeah, how, how did that come about? How did, how did that come about? It was just over a year ago. Uh, Sharon Houck, who's yes. executive in charge of production at the Warner, uh, she and I were talking. I was doing a production of Newsies there. Yes. And she was directing that. And one point she said, hey, have you ever thought about doing a one-man Christmas carol? Because we had both seen Sir Patrick Stewart doing it on Broadway in the 90s. Uh-huh. And hadn't heard of a lot of people doing that. I mean, the only people I know of who did it were Patrick Stewart and Charles Dickens. He <laughs> performed it as a one-man oh. show back in the 1800s okay. as well. And I said, yeah, that ah. sounds kind of cool. 
So we both, it was something we both really wanted to do. We both thought about it some more. We had this script. And um, yeah, we announced it for this season. And it's going to be in the Warner's Nancy Marine Studio Theater three weeks from tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. I love that little theater because it's got that intimate feel, too. I don't know, maybe about 400. 300 300 seat space, yeah. And and it's great. I've seen a few shows um, there. Actually, I saw Peggy in a show there. She was in uh, an Agatha Christie mystery just a year ago, yeah. Um, but um, so how do you how do you now as a voice actor we were talking earlier uh, you know you're alone and you can create different sounds with your voice right this also has to bring in the physical, I would think, because your body is visible to the audience. Well, for, for first of all, for anyone who thinks voice acting is just standing or sitting in front of a microphone, they should really follow me around for a day. <laughs> You're going to get your steps in. Um, <laughs> you know, I tell people, if you want an ab workout, come with me and do a pizza commercial. Oh. Because when you have to cram about 15 seconds worth of script into a five-second tag, you're going to be pumping absolutely everything, and every muscle in your body is going to be going full tilt all the time, until, and you're going to do it 10 times until you get it right. So, yeah, voice acting is very physical. If you're not including the physical aspect of it, if you're not including the emotional and spiritual aspect of it, you're not doing the whole thing. Okay. Luckily, with a story like A Christmas Carol, it's just all in the book. Yeah. It's real, you just follow the directions that Charles Dickens has given you. And it is a very physical show. Um, in, in the past six months, when people have, have come up to me and said, so you're doing A Christmas Carol? And you're doing it all by yourself? It, it's just you? Is, is there any music? Any costumes? Any sets? And I said, well, I have one costume. Renee, thank you so much. Uh, our set is minimal. It's mm-hmm. a big comfy chair. It's a high desk with a stool and a hat rack. Is there music? Yeah, we have music pre-show and we have music intermission. But other than that, it's me and the text and the voices in my head. And yeah, it is a totally physical performance from beginning to end. I think that's going to be such a magical theatrical experience for anybody to see. I can I can honestly say that if you enjoy or if you feel you need Christmas in your heart, you need to come see this show. So how do we do that? It's really quite simple. (laughs) You can call the Warner Theater box office at 860-489-7180. You can go to warnertheater.org. We could not make it easier for you to see this show. And you know what else I like to think? The Warner's Nancy Marine Studio Theater is a 300-seat theater. We're doing five shows. Do the math. That's 1,500 chances to see this show. (laughs) And a lot of them are already gone. Oh, good so this, to know. this show opens three weeks from tomorrow. Which is December 7th. December 7th, 7th and 8th, 13, 14, 15, five performances only. Call, Get your tickets online. now. Just, get your tickets just now. Just do it. You're going to get busy. It's almost Thanksgiving. It's going to be December. You're not going <laughs> to think about it when you're basting your turkey. So think about it now. Absolutely. Dick Terhune, you are delightful. Well, I, I am so, so happy. Thank you. I'm happy to have had you. And um, we 
Dick is right. You need to get your tickets for this show. After you buy your tickets for Les Miserables. You too. What, you, there's somebody who doesn't have those already? Who? I want names, people. I want names. Dick. You've got to come back because there's more stories I want to hear from you. Anytime. And more, more sure. characters. Of course. All right. Like I said, it's all the voices in my head. <laughs> and this time I can use them for good <laughs> instead of evil. Dick Derhoon, thank you so much. We are going to take a quick break and we're going to be back with an actor from Les Miserables. So stay tuned. Entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place. And we are back with your palace, your place. I'm your host, Sherry Marcucci, and I'm very happy to have with us this morning uh, a woman who is in the national touring production of Les Miserables that's coming to the palace in Waterbury December 3rd through the 8th. And with us this morning is Allison Gwynn. Good morning, Allison. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. I'm well and very, very um, excited and pleased to have you with us because you're actually giving, um, at least uh, uh, in this iteration, your kind of swan song performances at the palace. Is that right? uh, Yeah, I'll be saying goodbye to Les Miserables for now, hopefully. Uh, It'll be my last last venue, my last... Before I leave the tour, I will have been on tour for about two years. And so, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That must be, I mean, there must be a bittersweet aspect to leaving a role. And by the way, I should mention the role you play is um, one of the pivotal roles in the show. It is Madame Thenardier. And And that is I was reading some information uh, about you, and that was a role that you had been wanting to play for a long time before you actually got that opportunity. Yeah, I saw the, the when I was little, I grew up in Tennessee, and like the heart of Appalachia, so there wasn't a lot of opportunity to see live theater, but my mother saw that it was something that uh, that really sparked my imagination, so she bought tickets to the touring company uh, in Knoxville when I was 12 years old. And I went and I saw it and I fell in love with Madame Tenardi. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great role. I mean, that yeah. is a comic comic role. And yeah. T- tell the audience a little bit about her. Oh, she's someone you love to hate, absolutely. <laughs> like in the vein of Ursula the Sea Witch or, you know, Cruella de Vil. Yes. She is so bad, you can't help but laugh. <laughs> uh, she and her husband, the Tenardiers, they have no they have no dignity. They have no scruples. They will do whatever they can to end up on top. And <laughs> and um, it, it's comically evil. Yeah. And and actually uh, needed in a piece like Les Mis, you need a character, oh, yes. some of those characters. Yes, you need a break from all the all the pathos and, and, and yeah, all the bit. sadness and, uh, and really um, deep things that are happening, pathetic things that are yes. happening to the people in the story. But and you're right, they they are characters you love to hate, but they must for an <laughs> actor. That must be very fun to play. It's so fun, and it's you get to be creative, and you get to just um, you get to see just 
how far <laughs> the character will go and and um in rehearsals it was a lot of fun to discover her and the director i knew that he would absolutely say you know that's a little too far <laughs> but it's <laughs> kind of it reel you back in yeah yes <laughs> but, i think that's my calling card unfortunately <laughs> you but, um yeah you have to um keep this you playing this role for two years now is this and this was the first time you played the role is that correct yeah. okay yeah so every performance you have to find something new else you get stale yes and and you know because every audience is different every mm-hmm. performance is different um, people that go to the theater often know that an audience was response to something, particularly in comedy, um, affects the performance, absolutely. So in that way, the audience's performance or reaction to, to something uh, affects our, our the way we react to them. So I, they, I, they have a part. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and you get that. And I've been an audience member where you feel that energy flowing between mm-hmm. the state and that's a just an amazing experience for an audience members and i've also been on the other side and you know to know that they're with you and you, you yes. know and you just dig deeper then um yes and it, it's it's a great feeling especially in comedy um when you get that back and forth it really is yeah. an amazing feeling now, what I think I read somewhere that um, uh, and your favorite character in this show is Jean Valjean. Did I read that? Well, I don't. I mean, he's he's epically complex, but I honestly, my favorite character is Javert. <laughs> That's what it was. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. No, I mean it's easy to like Jean Valjean. He yes. is. He, um, everyone's rooting for him, but Javert. Especially coming from an actor standpoint, that is just a tour de force. Um, and the, the character so desperately struggles, and it's so, um, from an acting standpoint, it would be such an honor to play that and to, to depict um, that human struggle. Yes. He, is, he is so human, you know. You, yeah. you There's a part of the audience that really sympathizes with Javert as, as strict and mean as he is to Valjean he's he is trying to do good mm-hmm. you know but um he's he's having a hard time and that's that's what makes him so rich and complex as a character and that's why I like him so much and, and I think most people can identify on some level with a character yeah. like that because we've all been in some situations in life where we you know we it's almost like you're weighing which yeah. you know I'm 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 really you know I know this to be the way I've always done something or the way I know it to be right, but yet I feel that maybe, maybe I need to open up. Maybe I need to bend the rules a little bit. Yes. Yeah. That's what's so great is uh, Javeris, he's been so black and white until he comes upon Valjean. Yes. And he's like, and then all of a sudden everything he believes in is questioned. And, um, and well, yeah, you'll just have to see it to see how oh. how he deals with that. But oh my gosh, he is. That's the heart of the play is that sometimes uh, what is considered wrong 
is the right thing to do. Mm. Um, and it's about humanity. It's about empathy. Something that I think we absolutely need in this day and age. Oh, so, so absolutely, so Allison. It's you know we were talking earlier about, with um, um, Mariana Vagnini, who who uh, is running the after school program enrichment program that we have. In, to parallel the um, engagement yeah. of Les Miserables and we were talking about the same thing and you know today's um, the relevance today to this show is just incredible yeah. but but theater does that a lot that's that's a uh, I think a recurring part of theater that it's reflective of what's happening even even what happened you know two centuries or a century ago rather um, mm-hmm. it, it, there's still that relevance because as hum, human beings we keep doing the same things over and over <laughs> yes absolutely we, we just haven't gotten it right yet <laughs> I know that's for me that is what marks a good piece of theater. I mean, some people go to the theater to escape, but for me, it's to hold a mirror up to to humanity and Mm -hmm. say, you know, this is what we need to change, or this is what we need more of, or something like that. And that's what I I really love about Les Miserables. What's your favorite favorite song? (laughs) So, (laughs) I know I said Javert is my favorite character, but my favorite song is The Sewers. Um, I, it's called Dog Eat Dog, and that's my the guy that is um, Tenardier's yes. part. My, the guy that plays my husband, uh, Jimmy Smagula, does it so wonderfully, and it's it's almost the thesis statement for Tenardier's life mm-hmm. about how he lives his life, um, where he stands in the point of what he believes in, and it's just it. For one tiny second, Les Miserables becomes a rock concert, I think. <laughs> <laughs> For one tiny little second. And it's it's really, if it's done right, it's a great, great little gritty song to, to look at and see. Plus, the in our production, there's this scenic element that just is breathtaking to see because it goes from the top. We have these projections that go from the streets of Paris to down below into the sewers and you go into the sewers to see uh, to see Tenardier there and it's it's really it's really breathtaking and and fun and exhilarating I really like that part and that's that <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up Allison because that's a new element to this yeah. to this production that's direct from Broadway uh, you know it's been on mm-hmm. the road now for two years but it's that same um, production and <clears throat> That has uh, really, I think, added from what I'm I'm learning about it. Now I haven't seen the new production myself yet, mm-hmm. but that it's um, it's beautiful. It it just oh, adds gosh. a whole an, another layer to what's already a beautiful production. Yeah, it's so great because not a lot of people know this about Victor Hugo, but he was uh, he was he did watercolors, um, so he was an artist, visual yes. artist. And it takes some of his artwork and it animates it and it puts it into the into the play. So you're fully immersed into Victor Hugo's world and how I think he perceives that era of France. And um, it's really so beautiful. And it's like you're walking in a watercolor painting. It's really pretty. 
You know, I I hear from many people. I've seen the show more than once, um, and I'm looking forward to this production. And it's Thank the, ki- you. the kind of show that you you can't see you you can't see enough of. I guess is a way to say it. I mean, it's because yeah. every time you see it, you you there's a new richness, another depth, um, something that you didn't fully take in the previous yeah. time. It, 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 it's. I know people that have seen it like twenty times. I, wow. I I know people, and it's it's that kind of a show. Yeah, it's it's. Um, there is something because Victor Hugo wrote this. I, it's and everyone knows this who's read it. It's epically long. It's full of such detail, and it goes over every storyline. And I think what the musical has captured in a small amount of time. Uh, for the to to cover this giant sprawling book is that there's little facets that you see Victor Hugo put in there that if the actors have done the research and that are smart they put into their performances and it's 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 really it's like a little treasure hunt to see every time <laughs> yeah, I love that almost, that's a great way to put it Allison, I've almost done like eight hundred performances and it's different every time it's uh, really great. Wow. Well, I, I know you have some other things on the horizon. I'm sure you've we've seen some of your work. If you're a fan of Boardwalk Empire, you've, <laughs> you've been in that as well. And what what's quickly what's coming up next? Because I'm getting the high sign. We're, we're three minutes. Oh, high sign. <laughs> well, you know, it's seeing what else. That's the big question, the dreaded question. Everyone wants to. Every actor is like, what's next? And so um, it's the sky's the limit. I want to see what I can do next. What new adventures hold? Pilot seasons coming up for TV, so I want to get into that too. Oh. Um, yeah. Oh, well, it sounds like you um, you have a lot of things that um, uh, uh, the world's your oyster, Alice. And you've had a wonderful oh, two year run with Les Mis, and um, you know we just um, look forward to your performance here at the Palace Theater in Waterbury, Connecticut, December third through the eighth, as Madame. Tenadier, and um, we will laugh and we will hate you and we'll, <laughs> we'll be mesmerized by this wonderful production. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right, and that's just about it for your palace, your place this morning. We have two minutes left, and I just want to give you a recap. If you're listening and say, you know, I want to get some tickets, well, I can tell you how to do that in about two minutes. You can call our box office at 203-346-2000, or you can go to our website at palacetheaterct.org, or visit us in person if you're local, 100 East Main Street, Waterbury, Connecticut. Um, we have a lot of great things coming up this season. In addition to Les Mis, this weekend, actually, where you have two wonderful shows. One is tomorrow night, Lisa Lampanelli, losing it. Lisa is hysterically funny, but in a new vein. She's no longer the queen of mean, but she's going to share her journey along with some of her friends on how she feels about herself, her body image. She looks completely different. She's lost over 100 pounds. So come and check that show out. And then we have Buddy Guy and Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Sunday. If you're a blues or a, a rock classic person, you don't want to miss that show. And that's all the time we have this morning. So until we 
listen and talk and chat again. I'm Sherry Marcucci for your palace, your place. Stay tuned for your local news coming up next. And Steve Knoxon with Talk of the Town. We'll be with you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place. Shows for the whole family. Waterbury Palace, your palace, your place. Waterbury Palace Theater, your palace, your place.